0: Welcome once again to a beautiful Christmas morning at New City Church Uh, We're transitioning now from the time of worship And and those very special performances into a talk That's based on the Bible Four weeks ago As we uh, began the Advent season on the first Sunday of December We looked at one phrase Which John the Baptist with which John the Baptist introduced Jesus Christ to the world. And this phrase we saw in John chapter 1, verse 29, a very simple phrase. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And over the past few weeks of Advent season, we looked at Christ, the Lamb of God. We looked at Christ, the bread of life. We saw Christ, the bridegroom Messiah. And last week we saw Christ, the King. Today, and on on Christmas Day, we're going to circle back again to Jesus, the Lamb of God. But we're going to look at a very different picture of this lamb who was given to us. Um, I'm going to be uh, preaching from a very familiar passage, a message, a passage which announces Christmas. Allow me to read that out for us. I'm reading from Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. If this is your first time in a church, Luke was one of the disciples of Jesus and he wrote a full account of the life of uh, Jesus. And I'm reading from that. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born today in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is God's word. Allow me to pray for us. Father, we thank you for Jesus and this morning we pray, Lord. Would you help every one of us see this Jesus afresh? Would you help every one of us see his beauty, see his majesty, see his sacrifice? and see his salvation oh lord in jesus name we pray amen this is a very very familiar passage for us if you are a christian you've probably heard this like 500 times it's probably the first story you heard in sunday school or uh, uh, or maybe one of these perfect performances where they do a nativity kind of a skit you were probably one of the lambs uh, running around in the, in the in this gift Very familiar passage If you're an explorer Who is just kind of curious about Jesus Or maybe you're here in church today Just because it's Christmas Even you would have heard this passage Or be aware of this passage In some form or the other It's not unfamiliar to you as well um, And even though we know this account extremely well Many of us probably even know this by heart um, I'm hoping, and I really believe, that we're going to be surprised by the beauty of Christ that is hidden in this passage. For those of us who are uh, perhaps a little cynical about Christianity, um, you, you're probably thinking this passage is a nice fairy tale. You know, uh, you know, boy, baby boy born in a manger. Uh, it sounds like a nice fairy tale. Um, let me just... Let me just say this to you, the depth of meaning, the depth, the full significance of this passage that I'm hoping to unfold for us this morning, I'm really hoping will make you uh, perhaps reconsider that this is just a fairy tale. Let's go back to that thought right at the end, but, but stay with me until then. This passage tells us the full story of Christmas in a way we may never have seen before. And so I want to draw just three things for us from this passage. First, why the manger? Why was Christ born in a manger? Why was the birth of Christ announced first to the shepherds? And why the swaddling cloths? So three things. Why the manger? Why the shepherds? And why the swaddling cloths? But before I unpack the answers to each of these three questions from the passage, allow, us, allow me to give us just a little bit of background. And, and this background I think is quite relevant to us uh, in the light of the huge controversy uh, that is raging in India about the uh, Citizenship Amendment Act and the National Register of, of Citizens. I'll look at verses one to three in the passage that we read. There's a national register of citizens happening in Jesus' time. Caesar Augustus decided there was a need for a national register of citizens. And every citizen had to go to their own town to get their names on this register of citizens. And this Christmas backdrop of about 2,000 years ago is not very different from the backdrop in our country now. So back then... Uh, there was a government which wanted citizens to enroll in the National Register of Citizens. And there were citizens who didn't really want to do that. They didn't really want to sign on to the National Register of Citizens. And there was Jesus who was about to be born. And that's, this was 2,000 years ago. Right now, it's a pretty similar story. Uh, those very three... Groups of people exist even now. We have a government which wants the National Register of Citizens. Uh, There are a lot of citizens, uh, for some very valid reasons, who don't really want that. And there is still Christ Jesus. Uh, Please don't hear me wrong. I am not uh, uh, stating a political opinion from the pulpit. I'm merely stating facts. And so here we have Mary and Joseph who have forced to go to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's hometown, because they had to enroll into the register. I say Mary and Joseph were forced to go because Mary was close to the end of her pregnancy. She was about to give birth. She could give birth any time now. And common sense dictates that, that it's not wise, it's not advisable, it's not safe for women who are just about to give birth. To, to travel. And just to help us understand what's happening here, Bethlehem is a city on a hill. It's about 2,500 feet above sea level. So for Joseph and a fully pregnant Mary to go all the way up in those days, you didn't have cars, etc. She probably used a donkey. For her to go all the way up when she was about to give birth any was not safe. And I guess they wouldn't have made the trip to Bethlehem if they had a choice. It's pretty obvious that they didn't have a choice. They were forced to enroll into this register of citizens. And this background is quite helpful and it's quite important for us to understand the answers to the three questions we're wrestling with today. The first question I wanna look at is why the manger? Why was Christ Jesus born in a manger? It's often suggested that Jesus was born in poverty in a manger. It has been suggested that Jesus was born lowly. God became man in a lowly manger as a child born in poverty. The core truth that God became lowly to lift up men and women is true Beautiful and correct. This is indeed the message of Christmas. However, the popular interpretation or the popular understanding of Jesus being born in economic poverty may not be correct. Or it's probably, I think, uh, perhaps at least incomplete. The manger that Christ was born in, the manger... I'm hoping to show us is not just Jesus humbling himself economically to lift up men and women. It is Jesus who was God Himself humbling himself in far more deeper and profound ways in order to save us. Look at verse 7 in the passage. Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. From reading of this verse, I don't think we can say that Jesus was born in a manger because Joseph and Mary did not have money to hire a room in the inn. That's definitely not the case here. Because verse 7 clearly tells us that he was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. The hotel was fully booked. Bethlehem was very crowded, you see. Everyone had come into Bethlehem. All the residents of Bethlehem, all the people of Bethlehem had come in uh, so that they, could, they had to enroll into the National Register of Citizens at that point in time. So the, all the hotels were fully booked. So the core narrative about the birth of Jesus is not poverty. The narrative here is about unavailability unavailability of a room. Actually, if we think about it, the core narrative here is neither poverty nor unavailability. The core narrative here is indifference, indifference. Nobody was sensitive enough or thoughtful enough or compassionate enough to offer to give up their room or at least share their room with a heavily pregnant woman who could give birth at any time. Nobody really cared. They wanted to take care of their own needs first. It's not poverty that pushed Mary to give birth to Jesus in a manger. It was the indifference of the guests at the inn. So the real reason that Jesus was born in a manger is not economics. It is indifference. And in some ways, this in. With, with all that's happening in our country right now, when, when we see what's happening around us, we're inclined to think that those in power trying to impose these new citizenship laws are wrong and those of us who are opposing it are, are right. But the Christmas narrative calls for some deep soul-searching about our assumptions. I am not saying that those who are imposing the new laws are not wrong. Hear me right. I am not saying that they are not wrong, but I am also saying that those of us who are opposing it are not 100% right. And I say this for a very simple reason. True concern and national consciousness must not be limited to only one issue. We cannot be concerned about the country for only one issue. And so even as I applaud every one of us who've been alive and alert uh, in this very specific issue, I must also ask ourselves another question. Aren't we all indifferent to so many other burning issues in the country today? Are we not indifferent to the needs around us? Are we not indifferent to the inequality that is around us? Are we not uh, indifferent to the quality of education that we get and so many other children uh, do not get? Are we not indifferent to, to the quality of health care and the quality of life and the quality of living we get to enjoy while many of our brothers and sisters in this country don't even get one hundredth of that Aren't we indifferent to the exploitation of women and children around us? Isn't that also indifference? Isn't that our sin too? And, and so in many ways, we are as guilty as the residents of the inn who were just indifferent to allow a pregnant woman to share a room with them. We are as guilty of indifference as, as they were. But the joy of Christmas, but the beauty of Christmas is this, that Jesus came as a lowly servant to take upon himself the punishment for all of your indifference and mine. It's indeed significant here that even though Jesus was was born in a manger, presumably close to the inn, the good news of his birth was not announced first, to the indifferent residents of the inn, but it was announced to the shepherds. Let me show us something very interesting here. What was the sign that the angel gave to the shepherds? And we see that in verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby lying in a manger. A child lying in a manger is a sign given to the shepherds. But how did this sign come to be? How did this child come to the manger? This sign of a child in a manger came to be through the indifference of the residents of the inn. You see, the indifference of the guests at the inn became a sign of hope for the shepherds. That is the counterintuitive nature of how Jesus came. And this is quite symbolic of the fact that Christ Jesus was indeed born because of the indifference of men to God. Christ Jesus was indeed born because you and I, so caught up, so busy with our careers, so busy with our ambitions, all of those good things, we've become indifferent to God. And so Christ had to be born as a man to pay the price for our indifference. I've still answered only a tiny portion of the question, why the manger? And there's a lot more hidden in this passage and I'm hoping to unpack that for us. But let me move to the second question to unpack all of this better. The second question I have is why the shepherds? Why was the birth of Jesus? Why was the good news of the birth of Jesus announced first to the shepherds? Look at the passage we have, verses 8 to 9 and then 11 onwards. We see that, that there were these shepherds who were out there in the field. They were keeping watch over the flock. And then the angel came and made this spectacular announcement. Unto you a child is born, a savior is given. And this will be the sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Why was the good news of Jesus announced to The shepherds first again the popular narrative of the birth of Jesus suggests that the shepherds were poor and lowly people and Christ was revealed to poor and lowly people first again that idea itself is not wrong but there is a lot more beauty and truth hidden in this passage There's a Jewish scholar by the name Alfred Edersheim. Now Edersheim was born a Jew, but he became a follower of Jesus and he became a theologian and he became a professor of biblical theology. So he had the advantage of truly understanding Jewish customs and Jewish traditions very well and also understanding the Bible very well. And Edersheim wrote a book called The Life and Times of Jesus, The Messiah. And in this book, Edersheim refers to a Jewish book uh, called the Mishnah, which, which kind of captured all the traditions of the Jews around the time Jesus was born. And Edersheim explains that according to the Jewish book, flock of sheep, flock of lambs, could not be kept anywhere near the city. The, whoever had, all the shepherds, the flock had to be kept in the wilderness Far away from the city. But yet, if you look at verse 8 in this passage, it tells us that the shepherds were in the same region as the inn. The shepherds were in the same region as the city. How could that be? Edersheim goes on to show us that the only flocks, only flock that were kept near Bethlehem were lambs that were kept by the priests for the sacrifice of atonement at the Jewish temple. The only flock that remained close to Bethlehem were the lambs that were being reared to be offered as sacrifices in the temple that was in the city. And Edesheim helps us see that the shepherds to whom the angels appeared and announced the birth of Jesus were not mere shepherds. They were actually priests. Levitical priests performing the duty of shepherds. And these were shepherd priests rearing and preparing lambs for sacrifice at the temple. They were actually priests from the temple who were doing the work of shepherding to assist in the birthing of sacrificial lambs which would be offered as unblemished sacrifices to atone for the sins of people. Think about this for a minute, please. The good news of the birth of Jesus was first announced to shepherd priests who were taking care of the lambs that would be offered up as a sacrifice at the temple. Do you see the significance of why the angel Announced the birth of Jesus to these shepherd priests first. The angel was telling the shepherd priests that there was no more need for rearing sacrificial lambs because Christ Jesus, the ultimate sacrificial lamb, has just been born. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Before John proclaimed, before John John the Baptist proclaimed that, we began the series on Advent in the first week of December with that John proclaiming and saying, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. Before John proclaimed that, at the very birth of Jesus, the angel was proclaiming the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, the moment Christ was born, the moment that He was born, it was announced to the shepherd priests that He is the ultimate Lamb of God who would be sacrificed to take away the sins of people. And just as the sacrificial lambs were born in a manger, so was Christ. And so the birth of Christ in a manger has less to do with economics and more to do with the truth that He was born as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I think I've answered the first two questions we began today with. Why the manger and why the shepherds? And that leaves us with the third question. Why the swaddling cloths? Look at verse 12 in the passage. The angel gave the shepherd priest two signs. Verse 12, two signs. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This verse clearly suggests that the swaddling cloths is as important a sign as the child lying in the manger two signs child lying in the manger we've seen that and the second sign was the swaddling cloth so what's the significance of the swaddling cloths you know you and i we just wouldn't know or understand the significance of the swaddling cloths but the moment the moment these shepherd priests walked into the manger to see baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling cloths, they would have immediately known the full beauty, meaning, and significance of what they were seeing. Again, Edda in his book does a brilliant job of explaining this for us. These shepherd priests, they had an extremely, Extremely important role to play in the temple sacrificial system and their role was to make sure that the lambs who were just born were cared for and and, and brought up well to be um, good enough to be sacrifices according to the Old Testament law every lamb that was offered as a sacrifice to atone for the sins of men and women Every lamb that was offered as a sacrifice had to be perfect and without blemish in every way. Perfect, without injury, without blemish in every way. Have you seen lambs being born or have you seen, I'm sure all of us would have seen in National Geographic, deer giving birth to a doe? Uh, Whether it's a lamb or or most mammals, uh, when they are born, they can't initially walk. You know, they spend the first few minutes, and sometimes hours in some cases, just just wobbling around. And they would try and walk, but they would fall. Uh, you know, and and they, they just it takes them a long time to start walking with with balance uh, pretty pretty soon. And so lambs, when they are immediately born, in in walking around like that, in wobbling around like that, it, it is quite common for the lamb to fall and and break a bone because they would all be very tender at birth. Or, in a crowded flock, imagine a flock of about 100 sheep, 100 lambs, and, and the, uh, one lamb just gives birth, and there's this toddler, uh, newly birthed lamb, which is trying to walk around, and it falls. It's very likely the herd would just walk over it, causing injury, bones to be broken, skin to be cut. If that happens, the lamb was unworthy of being offered as a sacrifice to atone for the sins of people. Because anything that's offered as a sacrifice has to be perfect. And so these shepherd priests, they had an extremely important role in the temple sacrificial system. And this is what they did. As soon as the lambs were birthed to make sure that 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 they were not injured or harmed unintentionally in any way, these priests, as soon as the lambs are birthed, they would take strips of cloth made with old garments worn by the priests in the temple and and they would wrap these newly born lambs up tightly so that they don't get injured in any way and they don't suffer a blemish. Having, having wrapped these lambs in this, in this linen that was set aside for temple priests, the old linen the priests of the temple used because they were priests themselves. They had access to the priestly garments. Having wrapped these newly born tightly, they would place the lamb in the manger for a few hours or a few days till the lamb had could, you know, was, was strong enough and got the balance to walk. And these old priestly garments that these shepherd priests used to wrap up the newly born lambs were called the swaddling cloths. In those days, uh, normal children would never be wrapped with this linen strips that the priests used because that linen garment is to be owned by the priests alone. If you read the book of Exodus, it talks about that. And so no human child would would be wrapped up with this Garment. Only lambs meant for a sacrifice were, were lapping, wrapped up. And so by wrapping the lambs in swaddling cloth and placing them in a manger till they were old enough to walk properly, they ensured that the new lambs were not, newly born lambs were not actu- accidentally injured. Now with that in mind, imagine what the shepherd priests would have realized when they walked into that manger that night when Christ was born and they saw a baby Jesus lying in a manger, sign one, and wrapped in those very same swaddling cloths, the second sign the angel said. The shepherd priest would have immediately made the connection. This was no ordinary child. This was the Lamb of God. Who would be sacrificed to take away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, he, he probably had all this context in mind when he gave us, when he wrote this beautiful verse in 1 Peter chapter 18 verse 19. He probably had this context in the back of his mind. Allow me to read this for us. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Peter is saying, we were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, who is a lamb without blemish or defect. This child, Christ Jesus, the son of God, God himself, this child was born to die for the sins of men and women. And just as the shepherd priests wrapped the sacrificial lambs in swaddling cloths and placed them in a safe place in in the manger so they would be blemishless and good enough to be sacrificed, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was wrapped up in swaddling cloth and placed in a manger so that He could be offered as the ultimate sacrificial lamb without blemish. Now do you see the significance of the sign given to the shepherd priest. A baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is the full significance of this sign and this is the full story of Christmas. And as I close this morning, I want to just... Just give two invitations. As I was kind of start, mentioned in the beginning, some of us might be cynical to Christianity. You know, maybe we were brought up in Christian homes and maybe Christianity was just stuffed down our throats. We didn't like it and we learned to appreciate it. And maybe we're kind of intellectually thinking and dismissing all the story of, of the baby Jesus in a manger as a fairy tale. Let me just go back and ask you, does God sacrificing Himself to save men and women, does that sound like a fairy tale? Is that the stuff fairy tales are made of? And when you see Jesus in the manger, it's not just a Christmas fairy tale. It's the story of how God gave his son to redeem men and women who were indifferent to him and who are walking away. From if you're an explorer, if this is your very first time in a church, if this is the very first time you're, you're hearing a Christmas message, I just want to say, we, we want to invite you. We want to invite you to your journey of exploring Jesus. If your curiosity about Jesus has been aroused today, if, if your heart is feeling warm towards Christ Jesus, we want to invite you to make this journey of exploring Jesus at your pace. And, and we here as a community to just walk with you uh, on that journey as much as you'd like us to walk with you. And lastly, to those of us who are followers of Jesus, I just hope, let me say this, I think all of us as followers of Jesus, myself first, we all tend to drift into indifference to what God has done for us. There are several moments every single day where Jesus is not in the forefront of our consciousness several moments every single day in every one of our lives where we are living for ourselves our selfish ambitions that's what we're living for all of us myself first and so those of us who are followers of jesus i just want to offer up this story of the lamb of god wrapped up in swaddling cloths and placed in a manger So that this story, the beauty of this reality of who Jesus is will draw us, will woo us out of our indifference into a love for this Lamb of God. For this Christ Jesus, Son of God, who gave himself for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for Christ Jesus. His beauty. His sacrifice the lamb without blemish (laughs) the lamb that was needed to fully atone for our sins was nothing less than God himself we are all so wicked that it needed God to sacrifice himself to save us and we are all so loved that God was joyfully willing to give himself up to save us. And I pray the truth, the power, the reality of this love will be a tangible experience to every single person in this room today, Lord. And not just today, but every single day going forward in our lives. We thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.